Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. For today's episode, we are joined by Drew Turner. Drew, thanks for coming back on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Desmond. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. You know, Drew came on the show last year to talk about the Boy Scouts of America. For those of you who did not see or listen to that episode, please go ahead and check that out. That's another important conversation that he and I have had in the past. But for today's conversation, we are focusing on the PACT Act and specifically the burn pits that were taking place over in Iraq and in other places overseas. So thank you again for coming on the show to talk to me about this today. I kind of want to give everyone a brief rundown of what the PACT Act was. We're going to talk about why it was so important later in the episode, but just for an introductory sake, what exactly was the PACT Act uh, that was just passed in the Senate about like two months ago? So one of the big issues... Um surrounding burn pit healthcare uh, was a lot of veterans didn't have any right to it. <laughs> uh, there, there, there are some of us, you know, that, that our, our disabilities happened while we were in service. So we were already covered under in, and designated as covered by the, the, the Veterans Administration or, or more specifically the Veterans Health Administration, the VHA. But uh, for many, especially those that got out later and let's say came you know, develop some type of rare cancer or other uh, disabilities later, it was hard for them to prove that this was uh, tied to their military service. And so for many, you know, in, in fact, many even died without getting proper health care that they should have been entitled to, but because there was no easy way to uh, connect what happened to the burn pits exactly, the, the VA and government uh, view was to just assume it didn't connect it. Okay. And, you know, just for a little more personal information for those who might not be aware of like you specifically, what was, you know, how long were you deployed overseas and what was, you know, your exposure to the burn pits themselves? <sighs> On that deployment, like my, my time in service was a little short of just short of 10 years. Um, of that time, almost seven of that, I was deployed outside the U.S. Uh, but the, the specific deployment where I did have burn pit exposure was about 10 and a half months. Um, and my unit technically was deployed to Kuwait, but then we had teams deployed to, to spots in Iraq uh, to include the uh, the Iraq oil platforms, um, working with the Iraqi Marines out there. Um, uh, we had personnel in Kuwait, in Jordan, in Qatar, in, in the UAE. We had people spread all over, including Djibouti uh, to Camp Lemanier. And funny thing is, there was burn pits in most of those locations. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I guess the next most like pertinent question to ask is what exactly was being burned in these burn pits and <laughs> why were they being burned? And, and I guess finally to come about that is were any protections just given to people who were around these pits? Let, let me start with a quote. Um, General Smedley Butler, 
made a quote many, many, many years ago. War is a racket. War on the American side of things is typically something that the military industrial complex profits from. Yeah. The more they can profit, the better it is. When it comes to burn pits, this was something that basically was contracted out to KBR and several other uh, uh, military industrial corporations. And they basically burned anything and everything that they could instead of returning it to the US because it was cheaper to just burn it there. That, that meant computer systems and all the, the plastics and all that type of thing. Uh, body parts at, you know, and other biological hazards from hospitals, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan and other places. Um, if they had to do like an amputation or something, they weren't going to save that. So it was going to get burned somewhere along the way. Yeah. Um, but just a little bit of anything and everything. You know, I heard stories that there was even vehicles pushed into the burn pits at times. I, I, I can't confirm that. I don't know. I didn't see that. But there was a lot of things thrown in there, most of them dumping toxins pretty much across the bases. And did you have any idea how dangerous it was when you were around it? Like, did anyone give you kind of like any indication that, hey, this might be dangerous or hey, you might want to put some protection, like, you know, like masks <laughs> on or or stand so no. far away from the pits? Like what, anything like that at all? You know, I, I hate to say it because it, it should have been common sense. It should have been, you know, those of us. And, and, I, and my understanding is there were some people that did raise an alarm over it at times, but they both mostly just got, you know, hushed up for stuff. It wasn't until... I want to say Kelly Kennedy, um, who's with Warhorse News, kind of raised a report around 2008, 2009, something like that, where it started to be get, get taken a little more seriously. But, you know, for the most part, most of us just didn't, didn't think too, you know, you didn't think too much about it. You, you just kind of accepted that it was par for the course, not realizing exactly what was happening. Did you ever feel uncomfortable, like in any sort of like way, you know, like when you were being asked to throw things in there, like, like did well, it actually we, like phase you at all? I wasn't part of any kind of burn pit details. You know, basically my exposure was being near them or basically the smoke coming across the, the base. But we did walk over a couple of times and watch what was being thrown in. That's why I know about the computers, because right. I watched them throw in a bunch of computer towers and was just amazed that. I was like, why aren't we just giving these to the, you know, the locals or somebody that can get some use out of them or let them, right. you know, part them out and take the hard drives and stuff that might be sensitive out of them and let them part them out and sell the pieces or whatever. But I was just sort of amazed what we, what they were doing. Um, but I didn't start to really kind of have any kind of issues until I, until I started to have sinus problems a few months into the deployment. Um, and, and then wound up getting, uh, uh, diagnosed it with chronic sinusitis several years later. And that was the beginning of the medical problems I had from burn pits. To your knowledge, are these burn pits still active overseas? I, I, I'm told no. I, I don't think that there's any um, military industrial complex, you know, companies like KBR or, you know, Halliburton or any of them that are actively involved. But I'd be... I'd be incredibly surprised if anybody claimed that there's not open burn pits at some smaller areas, you know, in some locales. 
where we may take up space on a foreign base or something like, let's say Southern Philippines. Well, you know, we have personnel there. That's not our base though. And it wouldn't surprise me if there wasn't still, uh, you know, open fire burning at all there or many other places. So one more thing I want to ask you before we take a, a quick break in this episode, the sure. federal government kind of drug their feet addressing this. You know, we all saw kind of like the display that was made by, you know, John Stewart and others, you know, like earlier in the summer, uh, calling out Senate Republicans, Ted Cruz, so on and so forth. But that wasn't the first attempt at trying to get something like this passed for, for veterans. You know, it seems as though this has been going on for even decades now, if you want to link Agent Orange into this. Are you surprised as a veteran that the federal government took this long to address this issue? Surprise? No, not really. I mean, it's, you know, you know, that quote I gave you kind of sums it all up. War is a racket. You know, it's it, anything they have to do benefits wise. The money's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. And then they've got to explain to somebody because somebody's going to be upset about it regardless, you know, because somebody else isn't going to get a benefit. It, it I, 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 I'm not surprised at anything the federal government does at this point. That's fair. And I think when we come back from this break, from this break, we're going to talk about exactly how burn pit exposure has affected you directly and how it's affected others. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back after a quick break. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at BathingBeautiesBeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. So before we went on the break, I had mentioned that we wanted to kind of address how this was specifically affecting you. Could you just tell me 
what are some of the conditions that you have experienced as a result <laughs> to your exposure to the burn pits? Um, well, I mentioned, you know, I, I, I was diagnosed with chronic sinusitis um, a couple of years after uh, that deployment. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Then in 2000 and I, and, you know, and I've had kind of all kinds of weird problems uh, like respiratory colds i'd become very susceptible to colds stuff like that yeah but in 2013 i developed some type of a movement disorder it turns out it's an incredibly rare movement disorder that i i shouldn't have because typically it's people that are genetically disposed to it and we don't have anybody in our family with this so that was kind of strange um, and, and I'm still kind of dealing with that to this day because it's very medication resistant. So that causes problems. And then in 2017, I was diagnosed with, uh, paranasal squamous cell carcinoma, which is basically tumors in my sinuses. And so I had to go through chemo for a couple of years for that. Um, luckily it looks like I'm in remission. Um, and so hopefully I won't have to go through chemo again. Right. So how long in particular have you been experiencing like these like health related issues due to the burn pits? And do you think that you'll ever recover from these issues? Uh, I mean, at this point, it's it's definitely been over 10 years, you know, probably closer to 12, maybe even 13 years. I've been dealing with things that are connected to the burn pit exposure. Do I think I'm ever going to get over them? No, I, I think there's always going to be some lingering issues. My sinuses are pretty damaged um, and, and my docs are pretty convinced that that's got to be from uh, whatever I was exposed to. Did they know right away or was there any kind of like gap in between like them just like giving you the diagnosis and then like taking some time to kind of connect the two together or was it more of an immediate thing? When I was first diagnosed uh, with the chronic sinusitis, they, they, there wasn't that connection. That I think at that point, it was still kind of them trying to figure it all out. Like the burn pit registry came about right around that same time when they first started really tracking uh, people with burn pit exposure. And there's still a, you know, I'd say the vast majority that were exposed to burn pits aren't in the burn pit registry and aren't having their health tracked to where we can get a better understanding of what's happening with a lot of people. Um, right. But no, right. At first they, they, my doctors at Walter Reed had no, that, that just wasn't even a thought. Right. So let's go on to, I guess, talking about what we had mentioned in the beginning of the episode, which was the importance of the PACT Act. So we mentioned about what it was, but why was this so important for so many people, yourself included? Like, what does this act do for those who were affected by the burn pits? I, I mean, for me personally, this does very little. It, it was important because I know what it's like to have to go through all of that health issue directly related to the burn pits. And, and so for me personally, it just really, really bothered me that there was brothers and sisters of mine that, you know, that I'd served with that, that did not have the same coverage that I had with healthcare. And, and that was a problem for me. I didn't see that as right or fair. Yeah. Um, but for many, like, you know, that don't have that coverage, it, it could be a death sentence. You know, they could wind up with cancer, not have the insurance to be able to get proper treatment and without the VA backing them up, 
you know, what do you do? It's, it's, and I couldn't imagine some of these people with the more rare, you know, disorders and diseases, you know, like my movement disorder, I'm lucky I had VA care and Department of Defense care and doctors that kind of could figure it out because had I been out in the civilian world, I don't know if they would have been able to link any of this or be able to treat it properly. I, I just don't know. Medical uncertainty is something that is, I mean, besides the physical toll it takes on you, it is a mental just like wedge in your mind that it just it can drive people to the brink. You had mentioned to me that while you were going through your health issues that you had contemplated, you know, taking your life. Could you, would you be willing to share with us exactly what that was like and kind of like how that's so, it, it's so important for these people to have this coverage. Right. Um, in, in 2019, I've been going through chemo for, you know, a couple of years at that point. Uh, I just, uh, I was just coming close to finishing my second round of chemo. Um, and, and life was just falling apart. I mean, it was, I, I, I was dealing with a lot of mental health issues, uh, many of them directly related to my physical health, obviously. Um, you know, it, 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 life just started kind of collapsing around me and I, and I didn't know how to talk to anybody about it. I didn't know how to explain it to my wife. I didn't, you know, and, and she's always been my, my rock. She's always been there for me. And I just didn't know how to go about it. And, and at that point, you know, I had, I had some pretty dark days and, and it got to a point where I was so upset with everything that, you know, at the time we were living in DC, I lived a couple of miles from Capitol Hill, just outside of DC, across the Maryland line. And I had every intention to take a gun from my safe, get on the train, go down to Capitol Hill, walk up the steps on, you know, on Capitol Hill and shoot myself on the steps of Capitol Hill, hoping that somebody, somebody, anybody might just say, well, why did he do it? Because I knew that without some grand thing it, and this is where my mind was at at the time i i think it was you know it, it was just really wrong-headedness on my part but at the time my thought process was if i do this maybe it'll help someone else maybe somebody else will hear what's happening luckily i had a moment of clarity contacted the the suicide hotline they got help out to me with within minutes. Um, I spent about a week inside the VA uh, mental health care wing. Um, and, and not to say things were better, but at least it gave me some time, you know, to really get some clarity and get the help I needed. I'm glad you got the help that you needed. I'm glad thank that you. you're still here. And thank you for taking the time to share with that, share all, we'll share all of that with us. I know that it's difficult to talk about these issues. And it is, it's one story, but I'm sure that plenty of other people have similar stories to yours about where you just feel helpless when you have, when you feel like you have no way out and your health issues are dominating your life. I know people who in my own life have had similar kind of like thoughts while going through their own health problems. So the PACT Act being passed was a monumental thing for so many people. But, you know, when we were hearing about it on the news, a lot of things that we just heard about was just about, you know, John Stewart and him kind of like mm -hmm. trolling Senate Republicans and so sure. on and so forth. But 
What were some of the other people who were involved in making this happen that you wanted to highlight? Uh, you know, the, the, I think the linchpins was the Torres family. The, they are the ones that, uh, they started an organization called Burn Pits 360. Um, it's a, it's a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, yeah. they, they're out of Texas. Uh, Leroy had, you know, a pretty big struggle with his burn pit exposure and healthcare issues and lost at one point, I think lost his job due to healthcare issues, but they started this organization and they've really been one of the big linchpins. Um, and so you, this can't really be said without them. Um, but also Susan Zier was a huge proponent. Um, her son-in-law, the PACT Act is actually named for, um, and she was there with, with the Torres constantly. Um, you know, I, I, I was already gone from DC, but I remember meeting them several years ago when they first started, because again, this PACT Act wasn't recent. They've been working on this for years. They've been on Capitol Hill, flying in and out of DC. Um, and back when I was living in DC, I did do some, some stuff up on Capitol Hill, meeting with congressional members on unrelated stuff to this. But I, you know, it, it, in passing, I do remember meeting them at some point along the way. And I really wished I could have done more with them. Uh, you know, along the way, I, I just, I, you know, was kind of stuck in my own mindset of things. Um, but again, Susan Zier, obviously John Stewart and John Feel were, you know, they, they were the noisemakers. They were the ones that, that really raised the level up. Um, Tom Porter and the folks at, at IAVA, Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, um, Tim Jensen from Grunt Style, uh, it's a military clothing line, um, but was a huge part of things. There's just so many folks that did so much. I, I don't know that you could even name them all, but those were some of the probably the most important people in this movement. I appreciate that. I appreciate you telling us more about that. Cause again, we only got like, I think a brief sure. slice of the picture when we were seeing all this play out over the sure. summer. So as a final thing that I wanted to bring up, you know, like obviously the PACT Act has been passed and you know, you would think that'd be a nice way to cap off this story, but there is one caveat here because there was a, still some sets of egregiousness that you had informed me of that still has not been addressed that the Supreme Court has actually been blocked anyone from suing the people who are actually filling the burn pits. Can you just go into that a little bit as we wrap up this episode? So so at one point there were some lawsuits going directly after, I, I think it was KBR, but I, I, I may be not, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was KBR was at least one of the parties to the lawsuit. And somewhere along the way, the Supreme Court basically said that they were absolved because they were just doing what the government had kind of put them put them in place for in the contracts that they had you know they they didn't do anything outside of their contracts so any harms that came from it just couldn't be it's kind of like you can't you know a military member can't directly sue the federal government right. due to injuries it's 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 just kind of one of those weird little things that that to keep people from suing the government even though the government is harming these people uh, it's unbelievable. Honestly, you know, like I have my own thoughts about the Supreme Court. We'll save that for another day. But Drew, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Is there any links that you want to like uh, just address for people who might be interested in learning more about this situation as we uh, kind of bring this to a close? Uh, definitely. The, the, the primary one would be look up burnpits360.org. 
burnpits360.org. And you can also find them on Twitter, burnpits360. They're, it, it, if anybody needs information or may have been exposed in their time in service, those are the folks that they need to get in contact with. And, and they're the ones that really are, are you know, in charge of the fight. All right. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the show today. For everyone who's interested, that link will be in the episode description. Thank you to all the listeners for checking out this episode of Independent Thought. We will see you in the next episode.